Beer. I drove in that tunnel, sorry. <laughs> Happy New Year. K Meek is uh, yeah. cutting out <laughs> as you drive through the um, the channel. Yeah, the channel, yeah. As you listen to this, <laughs> evacuating the United <laughs> Kingdom. Yeah, this is a happy year, everybody. Yeah, as we happy say. year. <laughs> this is the first episode of 2024, the year where, let's just say, nothing bad's going to happen. Not a single bad thing. Not, not Certainly not in the first hour of the new year. <laughs> Why would anything certainly bad nothing on January 1st that will make us look the fool. <laughs> Yeah, you're playing this uh, amidst rubble from a, a meteor that crashed on Earth. Yeah, you really are evacuating the United <laughs> Kingdom via the channel. They moved the channel to the United States just so we could escape. They could have done it the whole time, but they were waiting for something like this to do it. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, L.A. Meekly, the first episode of 2024. Let's just say... The best of the year? The best of the year. Yeah. I'm calling it now. This is going to be the best episode of... T- let's, yeah. This year, we're going to do a best of 2024 and just replay this episode <laughs> in December. How's that? How about that for everybody? How's that sound to everybody? Y'all like that? Yeah. Y'all ready for this? Every time we run out of ideas, we'll just send this one back into the feed. And keep you guys occupied. When we really can't come up with a new episode, we're going to say it's a best of episode, but just play an old episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. every episode is the best. I wanted to just start naming episodes I don't like, um, but that would have, <laughs> That's first impossible, of all, though. yeah, it's impossible. First of all, impossible. Second of all, there's too many to pick. I guess Greg broke his New Year's resolution of being nice to being nice to <laughs> LA so one single person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one single podcast. Can you be nice to one podcast? Yeah. No! Why are you so mean to podcasts? And also you stopped doing jumping jacks. You say you were going to do jumping jacks nonstop for 2024. Yeah. Remember you said that? Yeah. I saw you. Well, this is L.A. Meekly, the Los Angeles history podcast, or rather a Los Angeles. Yeah. We can't claim that title. There was probably a time where we could, but no longer. Uh, um, I think there was like a month where we could say we were the Los Angeles yeah. history podcast, but m- some of those words were in quotes. <laughs> it was like milk chocolatey or yeah. chicken. Yeah, exactly. Chicken. It was history, H-I-Z-T-R-Y, <laughs> a Los Angeles history podcast. So this is Daniel Zaff, Daniel B-E apostrophe F Zaffron. This is Greg Gonzalez with two S's, no Z's. <laughs> Your family crest is a snake. So you're the Gonzalez yeah. clan. It's an Ourobora, but there's two of them and they're, they're you know, going through each other. Yeah, it's an Ouroborealis. Yeah, it's a Ouroboro. Yeah, it's or. At this time of year, at this time of day. <laughs> oh, the chupacabras are out early this year. <laughs> so before we get into really anything yeah. other than saying how we used to be number one. <laughs> we had a we don't really know what happened. Yeah, I, What the hell happened? I mean, I still swagger around town like I'm number one. I still show it off like it, like I'm a big deal. Yeah. A number one. What are you looking at? I'm realizing I don't know what I did this previous month. And oh I keep forgetting God. this happens. Um, did you go to the Egyptian? But look, you have a couple seconds to think about what you did in the past to have a total recall of the past month. Oh, my <laughs> nose starts bleeding. Uh-huh. Because now it is time to welcome in a couple new patrons to our not welcoming into the Patreon. We're welcoming into the, I guess, the fold. Yeah, the fold. Yeah, the exclusive fold that we welcome people into. And it's pretty unwashed in this fold, but you're all welcome to join it. Yeah, and the, and the unwashed masses. Yeah, the unwashed masses make our unwashed folds even un, <laughs> even more unwashed. Uh, this fold that's filled with yeast and 
just grit. <laughs> so we have two new people. First, we have Alex Kason. Hi, Alex. I can't wait to send you postcards. Uh, nah, not Alex this one. Alex is mine. Oh. Uh, no, actually, because I think both of these people got in before the end of last month, but after we had recorded the episode. So these poor souls had to wait a whole other month oh, to crushing. hear their beautiful names. Crushing. Uh, biting me. Oh, Stay yeah. Down. Phantom's here and Phantom's been on it today. Yeah. He's been Max Cat. He, He's been the most cat he can be. He used to be like polite. When you would come into the apartment, he'd put on a little bow tie yeah. and like click his heels and bow at you. Yeah. And Mother, now, father, we have company today? <laughs> I was not informed of the that. The butler has arrived. <laughs> He's not the butler? Well, then why does he smell like the basement? But he used to be so polite and kind of would watch you. And now he's so comfortable around you. He was just like biting my wrist yeah. for 30 minutes. Attacking headphones, eating everything, whipping around on the table. He did like a sloth thing with your arm <laughs> where he like grabbed he, and he was just like biting your elbow. He did a sloth, but fast. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he wrapped around like a sloth, but it happened very quickly. And I was like shaking him off of my arm. Like yeah, it was Elmer Fudd. <laughs> it, uh, and uh, just so you know, I'm on his side the whole time. I'm you're, like, yeah, get him. Yeah, you're always anti Fudd. <laughs> okay. So we got Alex case on. Well, look for making you wait so long. I'm going to have phantom bite your arm for a little <laughs> bit. And then we got another person. Micah, a.k.a. your cousin. My cousin, Micaela Rios. Okay, I, yeah. I, I knew I was mispronouncing it. Cousin. <laughs> your cousin. Yeah, my cousin, yeah. <laughs> Mika, Micah, Mika? Mika. 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 Like yeah. Micaela, yeah. Uh, she's Italian? She's Yeah, I come, <laughs> from, a, I come from a large Italian family. Yeah. <laughs> There's the West Side Gonzalez's, the East Side Gonzalez's, and then the Vatican Gonzalez's yeah. as well. <laughs> we, we're we're all yes. So yeah, the, those are our two uh, new people that we've got. I'm happy to have both of them. I'll be sending them postcards when it's my... I turn. think actually it is because I think since they were they missed the cutoff last time I already sent them their sticker last month. Okay. Now it's you. You get what what crap are you going to send them? <laughs> Listen, I thought I knew before. I ran out. I got after this I got to go make a run. Uh, <laughs> to postcards are us. Yeah, postcards are us, yeah. You know that wonderful place that has all the postcards <laughs> and is never it's always open. I go for the us. Yeah. <laughs> uh postcards, postcards and beyond. <laughs> well, thank you for supporting yeah. and you too can support us on Patreon, patreon.com/lameekly. You will get a handwritten postcard at the $5 level every single month from us. Yeah. And guess what? Handwritten. I might rub it through Phantom's litter box if you want. If that's what you're, you're into. into that yeah. If you want a little bit of toxoplasmosis in <laughs> every month, just let me know and I'll make it happen for you. Watching him, this is probably the catnip that knocked him out. But yeah, we gave him some, th we this, drugged him a lot before this. This is exactly what I wanted for my week off <laughs> and it hasn't been that at all and I'm very sad, but watching him slowly fade from being yeah. awake to On sleep, your back, crotch out. Crotch out, hand trembling because I'm so deep in sleep. Uh, yeah. I think I'm opening all the doors <laughs> in my dream. Lip shaking. Yeah. Eyes moving rapidly under the closed eyelids. Heart rate going to 200 beats per minute. <laughs> That's what I want to do Give on my vacation. <laughs> one pill makes you larger. <laughs> one, pill one pill makes, makes you, you have... <laughs> one pill gives you sleep paralysis. <laughs> So, yeah, you can sign up for to get those. But also, when you sign up, even at the $1 level, you will get a L.A. Meekly official sticker. Sticker, 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 sticker wherever you want. Stickers. <laughs> for stickers. Stick it. <laughs> <laughs> this 2024, stick it with the sticker. <laughs> so now before we get into 2024, let's just wrap up 2020. Let's have, a, sure. let's have our annual We Didn't Start the Fire style wrap up of 2023. Yeah. 
Uh, Just start shouting at me <laughs> things that you. Alex Jones was not afraid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Putin, Putin. I don't know what else happened. No, you don't. Um, what, what happened in the past year? Uh, Saltburn. I watched Saltburn, <laughs> which salt I talk burn. about on every podcast. Every we podcast now you have to talk about how you saw Saltburn and you were grossed out by it, and you described <laughs> what happened. I'm like, and what's the gross part? Start. <laughs> You said he tells me gross. That sounds totally normal to me. He did what to the grave? Okay, so, <laughs> so then what? So what What do you do at the grave? Then? I'm asking. Maybe you're the weird one. <laughs> when your crushes die, what do you do to their corpse? Um, but yeah, so uh, December 2023. Do you do you have, did you think of something yet that you I did? did? I mean, I, I this isn't something in LA, but it's, you know, uh, we, we covered it. Okay, this is a tentative. This, this submission is on probation. We covered it in our uh, day trips episode. I took a day trip and, well, oh, it's her castle which is oh, completely right. drivable from los yeah. angeles and how long uh, 14 like, hours yeah it's like 14 hours it was like the, it's in redwood national I, I don't know because there was so many layovers i kind of lost track of time <laughs> it was about like what two three hours three and some change hours that sounds away. about right yeah so we did a, a well, uh, but if you travel by elephant walrus it's a little slower it's a little it's but a little like slower. the view um the, <laughs> the connection smells. to animals we did a morning and night tour of Hearst Castle, which was gorgeous. Wait a minute. You did two tours in one day? Yeah, we did two huh. tours. Two tours of paradise. Um, that's what, not the song. What was different? Did Slight story. They put out like wax recreations of the orgies at night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Errol Flynn did what to Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> what did they do in the pool? Wait a minute. Same thing they did in Saltburn. He saltburned. He saltburned the he pool. He saltburned Charlie Chaplin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the morning tour was better for the view of the right of the just a view of being on the hill and looking over everything and then the night tour is better like interiors were better at night yeah um i would imagine the pool so the indoor pool is so spooky it is it's eerie that nobody's in it yeah like i bet when people are in it it doesn't feel so no, weird yeah. when like charlie chaplin just got out of it and errol flynn comes in yeah and, and they're doing goes bits to the and, drain yeah yeah um but yeah it it is definitely eerie it's very cavernous because you can hear, I mean, pools in general are kind of, if like nobody's in a pool, a pool's kind of frightening. Oh yeah, I guess so. There's one right out the window I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, I try not to look at it because I scream. I wanted, they used to have a Hurston Hollywood tour that I want to take, but they've, they've, they don't do it anymore. But um, I was waiting to hear like, Something, something, Citizen Kane. You might, you might uh, know this person better from his, uh, you know, representation as uh, Charles Foster Kane. They, they don't bring it up at all. And I, was, I wanted to ask the tour guide twice, and one day, like, so do you guys not bring up? It's kind of not a flattering sure, portrayal. Sure, it's not a flattering portrayal. They're not when you go to Graceland. They're not like, did you guys see Priscilla? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you guys saw Elvis, right? Not Priscilla. Good. You can come. Well, in. Priscilla also lived here too. Yeah, she wasn't like a had a condo like a you mile could take away. The Priscilla tour or the Elvis <laughs> tour of Graceland. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that they would want to advertise a movie about greed and power gone mad. Why not? <laughs> a movie that he famously tried to sue like the entire state of California. He tried to commit all these crimes so they would just bury the movie and it didn't work. <laughs> well, I, I thought I just assumed for some reason that that's the I mean, I know her name because he's, you know. Citizen Kane. I know him from his uh, granddaughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know him from his, uh, yeah, his legacy he's left behind. Did you take the Patty tour? Oh, God. Yeah, it's just a bunch of banks. Well, you want to hear what I did? I stayed in town. Okay. Wow. I, you know what? I didn't even Brag. leave my apartment for oh this my one. Oh, God. I want that. Because. I want to do that. I want to be hermit. I had a little catnip. I lied on the floor, crotch out. Yeah, crotch out. Uh, I put on a belt just so I could Al Bundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I put on something else so I could Ted Bundy. <laughs> but. I gloves and a ski mask. My thing is not eating. 
but it is food. Oh my God. This person from the Instagram account Diner Theory. Mm -hmm. If you go to that Instagram account, they sent this to me. It is a link to a map that this guy made of a thousand old eateries in Los Angeles. Whoa, really? So it's a Google map with pins on it of wow. different old restaurants all over town. And when you click on it, it tells you what year they open, which wow. is really cool. That's and great. Everything on there is at least 20 years old, but most of them are a lot older than that. And he put a lot of work into this and finding the opening dates. And it's really great and helpful if you are like me and you only want to eat at old places. Yeah. But it's really cool. Like places you had no idea, like that place is 80 years That's old. Crazy. This burrito place is 80 <laughs> years old. You said at least 20 years old. And I thought, oh, from the 70s. Nope. Greg. Nope. Yeah, like nope. when I was born 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, but it's it's very cool. It's, it's a nice because I like eating at old places. Yeah. We both do. It's uh, If I'm going to go to a place and pay too much and the food's going to be bad, I'd like it to at least be 70 years old. Yeah. And I want to at least contribute to places staying open. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not going to help, but... Yeah. Because I also rob the place after I eat there. I, I also brought my own food. Is that a problem? Oh, you pay for dinner? Oh, that weird. Uh, huh. I'm a, well, you know, I'm a, a royalty. I'm a Hearst. You can't treat me like that. Pay for food? <laughs> One. I was very excited to click around on that. Yeah. So go to the Diner Theory on Instagram and you can find this in the link in the bio of his account. But it's really cool. And the effort, he told me like how he researched it. Uh -huh. And it's pretty uh, something I would never do. That's yeah, for sure. It's work. Yeah. Like four clicks to find information. No, 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 no. <laughs> So now yes. we've talked about, we've summed up December 2023 20, with one last thing. Leonard Bernstein movie. How many people know this song? Do you, Who doesn't know the song? We didn't. Wait, anybody no, no, no. born? Wait, wait. That's not. We didn't start the fire. That's. Uh, what is that? That what's the REM version of We oh, Didn't Start the Fire? Um, uh, oh, okay. I'll put it in my We Didn't Start the Fire version of 2023 is just talking about the Fallout Boys version that they did in 2023 to sum up the. Yeah, 2000s. every every 20 years, a really bad band has to cover an iconic <laughs> song, so the next generation, Gen Z, would like. Oh yeah, I know what yeah. they're talking. Oh, about. Oh, this is TikTokable. Yeah, just, just but what it, well, you can talk about this at the tick. Yeah, what is the REM? It's not We Didn't Start the Fire. We Didn't Start the Fire is Billy Joel, but what is the REM song that's like da da land and bread da 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 da. What is that song called? It's the end of the world. It's the end of the, the world, world, and it's still and we, we didn't start it. <laughs> Nobody knows. People Nobody. know this song. Sure, maybe what, maybe our fan. Maybe what would our you fans. guess the average age of our listener is? Three hundred years old. <laughs> I think they're all ten. I think that we have the sensibility. Body of a three hundred year old. We're just as annoying as cartoons that I watch for yeah. the, for kid, the current generation. Right. We're children. bluey. We're bluey. We're human blueies. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't, I'm not talking about bluey. Bluey's good. <laughs> bluey. Thou shalt not talk about bluey. When you tour Bluey Castle, they don't talk about bluey. So yeah, we're Caillou. Yeah, we're Caillou. Yeah. Yeah. But let's now get in. Now that 2023 has been sufficiently recapped by yes. Fallout Boy. <laughs> We are going to talk about 2024, our yes. first episode. So this first episode, we are going to be covering religion, Yay. because this year is when we are born again. <laughs> we're, we're really going to do it this time. We're going to commit. Yeah. I swear to God, I won't. And I mean it. I vowed that I would, that you would never, I vowed, I made your New Year's resolution. Yeah. You would never stop doing jumping jacks and uh -huh. I would never stop eating communion wafers. <laughs> I'm cutting back on everything but communion wafers this year. Mm, they taste like nothing. Mm. 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 There's a lot of religious things around the city yes. that I have always been curious about mm -hmm. because we were talking about religious stuff and it's, it's sometimes hard to differentiate between a cult and a religion. At a certain level, you were talking about earlier, like it just has to like... Let me put on my Rodney Dangerfield tie. Am you. I right? 
Go on. My wife is a religion. Um, <laughs> my mother-in-law, the Virgin Mary. Yeah, the, <laughs> something just has to last for a hundred years and then it's not a cult anymore. It's, right. Yeah. Like at a certain point, Scientology will be, it'll be like uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Scientology. Yeah. Like at a certain point. It'll, it'll just be like commonly accepted. Right. Terrifying. Uh, but I mean, like, I think our original idea was like, you know, all these people came West and they started their own weird hippie religions. And I think that was the original idea of this episode. And then we just started gravitating more towards established well, religions that we've were in town. done cult stuff before, but I, because there were a few things in particular I wanted to talk about that are like mainstream religion sure. things uh, that they don't make you shave your head and uh, worship a guy who thinks he can fly. See, I don't think every gather every spiritual community is a cult it's when they when you have a figurehead that says you need to shave your heads or this right that's when i start thinking it's a cult but like isn't that what jesus said huh shave your heads drink my blood drink my blood eat my eat my shorts shorts. (laughs) here is the blood of bart here is the shorts of bart (laughs) yeah when you uh accept the bart eucharist you have to say um i caramba Uh, Uh, there's only one commandment i didn't do it (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, why did I have the bowl Bart? <laughs> and we all stand. Why did I have the bowl Bart? Why did I have the bowl? What, what were you going to, what was the, Oh, end of your basically this? like, uh, uh, there was a lot of like hippie West coast beach religions that started that went nowhere, but I, I, I am interested in those, but we all, we, you and I both, I think gravitated towards established religions that had some hold here. Yours is a new version of an established religion. It's like a subsect of it. Yeah. Which actually, I mean, one of mine is that also, but it yeah. didn't start here. There's just one because my two of my actually three all of mine are physical things. Yours is a movement. Mine are physical things. Right, right, but right. But let's stop, you know, let's not be like the Bible and be all mysterious. Let's explicitly talk about this. Let, in, in plain words <laughs> that anyone can understand. Abraham, stooped Sarah. <laughs> Cain, killed Abel. Whose side are you on? Where's the evidence? It's just a uh, conjecture. <laughs> that was the original game show. <laughs> Kill that, Abel. <laughs> Kill thy brother's keeper. Um, <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get religious. Okay. Okay. Here's my first one. Yeah, are you? Re- have you? Um, Am I in the zone? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the have zone. Have you repented yet? <laughs> have you heard the news? Got good news. Uh, so I've got good news. So, in an era of cell phones and the Ally McBeal dancing baby, uh-huh. there's all which is part of my 2023 recap. Yeah, there's always the era of where phones are dead, but Ally McBeal's baby can dance its way to shul. My, this will make sense to you soon. My, I hope not. <laughs> My first topic is a quirky and mostly unknown accoutrement to Judaism in L.A. known as the Erev. The Erev. E-R-U-V. This is something that I have seen around, and you've probably seen it without realizing Mm -hmm. it. It's called a pastrami sandwich. In your language, it's called a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> have you heard of this? No. If, somebody, if you've heard this. Yeah. Some, yeah. No. Erev? No. Erev. So to begin to understand, we must first go back to the dawn of the Sabbath. Oh, yes. What's that? Like the 60s? Yeah. Ozzy gets together with... Electricity and peppermint are things you can't have. Um, So from Friday night to Saturday night in Judaism, it's Shabbat and Uh your Shabbat night fever. And you're not supposed to use electronics or do any sort of work or labor of any kind other than going to temple. Okay. Which sounds... uh, This sounds like something you want, actually. Without, like, minus the going to temple part, like, I I feel like you should do a Shabbat every week where you just don't use electronics electronics for a day and yeah you just i just want to have like a tony soprano morning every morning where you just sit by the pool and stare and you're just like at the know. ducks yeah at the ducks, stare at ducks. ducks. just him and holden caulfield man 
Well, you know, I can't look at pools. They're too scary. <laughs> so from a strict Orthodox interpretation of this Shabbat, yeah. that means you're not supposed to even carry anything on your person. No keys, Whoa. no tissues, no book. Unidentifiable. Not even medicine or a cane. God forbid, a candy cane. You're not even supposed to push a wheelchair or carry your own children either in your arms or in a stroller. Is there a reason why? Because it's work. It's like oh, physical exertion that right. you're not supposed to be doing. The exception to this is when you're in your own home, you can do this, okay. but you can't do this outside. Out and about. In ancient times, this posed a problem when they didn't have to worry about carrying an iPhone because chargers weren't invented yet. So what's the point? So yeah, I have it, but it won't load. Yeah, they were just, it took 2000 years for us to charge these things. We're waiting for a, a Mac update. That update was Christian. Well, the first kidding. Apple product didn't go so well for us. <laughs> But something people did have to carry around was water to your home from the town well. Yeah. Well, actually. <laughs> you couldn't do this on Shabbat. So to solve this problem, we turn once again to one of the pillars of L.A. history, wise King Solomon. So in the 900s B.C., he had made King Solomon an almost invisible barrier of sorts that would encircle an entire village that would, in spirit, turn the entire village into one home by essentially combining courtyards, which is why that's what they're called in Hebrew, Arab Hatzeros, or today just Arabs. That means combining courtyards. Okay. It was a workaround of sorts to extend the rule of not being able to do these things except inside your home by turning the whole neighborhood into your home. Cool. So... It's really, we're, we're pulling a fast one on God. Yeah. he. Uh, it, it's the word of the Lord, but also there's loopholes. Yeah. <laughs> He's asleep at the wheel. <laughs> we quiet quit God a long time ago. Uh, we're still collecting his paychecks of manna, but we're not putting the effort in. So there's a few of these around the country, like in San Francisco and New York City. New York City. And we have several of them around LA, but the major one is known as the Los Angeles Community Arab. Okay. So the idea was first started in the 90s by a guy named Howard Witkin when his wife was pregnant, so that she'd be able to come to temple on Shabbat once the baby was born. Okay. So you can't like you can carry a baby. If you're a woman, you can carry a baby because we'll we'll talk a little it's bit. It's a work. About, it's a living. It's a it? living. I was about to say. <laughs> well, with a lot of planning, it was finally completed in 2002 after seven years of construction and stretches along the 10 freeway at Western, okay. north along Western to Santa Monica, west on Santa Monica to Cahuenga, north to the 101, west to the 405, south along the 405, along the east side to the 10, and then east along the north side of the 10 back to Western. And if you followed that, that's five sides. Um, <laughs> uh, you don't drive on the Octagon Freeway. <laughs> the the shape you described is a star. <laughs> it makes a strange symbol that you, <laughs> if, if viewed from space. Um, yeah, so it's basically enclosed by the major freeways, like everything of basically like Culver City to Hollywood to the southernmost part of the valley. Right. Like that whole area is wow. basically enclosed by this. It's a 60 mile perimeter covering 100 square miles and is believed to be the biggest Arab in the world, even bigger than the one in Jerusalem. Jesus. It what freeways are in Jerusalem? Go ahead. <laughs> the 101 goes there. <laughs> well, you got to take the 101 <laughs> to the 10. It turns into the uh, the two at one point. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the most important Kabbalah numbers are. But then I remember it. I'm not Madonna. Uh, it cost about $250,000 paid for entirely by donations. Oh, wow. Now, why have you never noticed this thing? I'm asking you. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, have, I have no idea about what happens at a certain part of the city. Uh, what, if it was a Christian wire hanging around, would you be? Catholic, maybe. Uh, 
The reason you've never noticed this is because it's essentially invisible because it's mostly just a line of thick fishing wire stretching across the tops of already existing streetlights or poles. Oh, wow. Is that what? Because I thought you were going to describe like a gated community. No. And yeah. you described it like Western to Culver City. Yeah. Like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, you've never noticed the, the wrought iron fences <laughs> that have Jewish stars all over you them? No, you ever notice that you can't drive through residential areas <laughs> even though you do it all the time? Uh, didn't you know that you're Jewish? <laughs> technically? Um, yeah, it's it's just fishing wire. It goes across existing streetlights or poles that are put up specifically for this. So in a few spots, it seems to be actual fencing, but for the most part, it's just fishing line high up in the sky. It can't cross freeways, which is why it's hemmed in by the ones oh, okay. that it skirts, because there's some sort of rule against crossing major thoroughfares that I don't really understand. But it also just sounds like a recipe for someone to fly out of their car in an accident and get sliced in half like a piece of cheese if yeah, it's yeah, going yeah. over a freeway. I've seen cartoons. But you'll if you get on the 101 from here, right before you get on the 101, along the freeway, look up and okay. you will notice. If the light is hitting it, you will notice this fishing wire. Okay. It gets inspected every single week by a team of four people who travel the entire length of it to make sure that the line isn't broken, which yeah, it almost... Hold the line. Al- what? Hold the line. Stand back and stand down. <laughs> which it, it almost always is, like every single week. There's car crashes, trees falling, wind. Sometimes it just breaks because it's a fishing line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes it might catch a fish, a gefilte fish. <laughs> That's what they're trying. We're trying to catch <laughs> the world's yeah. biggest, the land gefilte fish, the, the mythical land gefilte fish. We don't have time to fish, but if something happens to, I don't know, some fish happen to just jump through the air, yeah. traditionally where they're not at, where they <laughs> can't be found. If a gefilte fish, which is a mixture of two different fish, happens to jump, <laughs> jump from the Pacific Ocean where there, neither of these fish are found, we will catch it. So on Thursday nights, they have a team that goes out and makes the needed repairs to make sure it's ready for Shabbat. Yeah. So every Thursday night, there is a team that goes around fixing this line. Okay. But if it is down, there are official websites you can check to make sure if it's up or not, and you're free to move about the Shabbat if it is. Like you go to this website and it's it's like a big green button, like the Arab is up. <laughs> the maintenance of this thing costs about 120000 a year as of 2017. Wow. The path of it has changed slightly over the years with freeway expansions and construction projects. It actually stopped the Skirball Canyon fire in a few places in 2017. I don't know why. Like they showed pictures and it's like all this stuff is burned and then where the Arab is, it's like, well, this part stopped here. Like I said, there's a few other smaller ones around the city in the West Valley, North Hollywood slash Valley Village, Long Beach, and there's one around USC. Mm -hmm. In the early 2000s, they were planning one that would stretch from Santa Monica to Marina Del Rey, but it was opposed by the California Coastal Commission because of its potential to slice birds like cheese. Oh, right. There are also conflicting opinions about them within the Orthodox Jewish community. Some people think the whole thing is kind of silly, but others feel that the very concept is flawed because the fact that it could break during Shabbat without people knowing and thus breaking the spell, yeah. as it were, making the en- makes the entire idea flawed and to coin a phrase, unkosher. <laughs> but to others, this is very important. Yeah, Some families with kids won't move to certain neighborhoods if they aren't covered by the Arab because otherwise they wouldn't be able to bring their kids to temple with them. So certain neighborhoods age out oh. and like young families won't move there and the Jewish presence fades away from that area. And to many, it's a way for women to be included in Judaism, which is not always the case in Orthodox temples because before in some places, a woman couldn't come to temple because she has to watch over the kids and she can't carry a kid outside the house. Right. temple. So now they 
they can. So with the Arab, you're allowed to also bring food to your friend's house during Shabbat. And that social aspect is very important to people. Uh, you're still not allowed to use electronics or things like that with the Arab, but it's a modern solution to an old ass rule that helps keeps things kosher like it's 1999 BCE. <laughs> Even the women can come. Religious enough for a man, but she, but she likes it too. Yeah, I've always, I've heard about this, but I never quite like. I've seen it around, but I never quite understood what it was. So I was very interested in this thing. I had no idea, not a single idea that this was a thing. I think I would say, what percentage of the population in, in LA is Jewish? Ninety nine percent. If let's say the pop, I, this number is completely probably false, but if 15% of Los Angeles is Jewish, I would say 16% of Los Angeles knows that this exists. Okay. Now that you know it's there, you'll probably see it. Like yeah. as I've done this research and I've driven through these areas, I'm just like, where's that fishing yeah, wire? Fishing Let me line. see that. Yeah. I'm going to cut I'm, it. I'm going to cut it. <laughs> my act of rebellion is I'm going to cut it and everyone will know what I'm about. <laughs> I'll get even with them for laughing at me when I mispronounce Shalom at my bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. I feel like a lot of people, not a lot, not a lot of people, some people if they knew that this existed, they'd be like, well, they're trying to convert me. By yeah. me. But like, it's so unnoticeable that it's, it's unnoticeable. Kind of the way you want to be usually. Right. It, with something that religious, you yeah, kind of don't want people to. just want to keep it on that down just for people who hang out and know what's up. But yeah, that's the era of, oh yeah. So I'm going again, actually. You are. I've got a second You're on one. a roll. Oh, here we go. Want to read mine too? Uh, <laughs> I would, look, give them all. Hey, Come on. Hey, what do you got? Anyone else got any research? <laughs> Phantom, you got any research about religions? <laughs> Is he supposed to be on the table? Is that okay? No, but that's fine. Okay. It, tell me if he starts eating stuff on the table. I'll keep an eye out. A full turkey dinner. He's using a knife and fork. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Is the knife on the left side? <laughs> so now my next one. We're going to a different religion. Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. How do you like it? How do you like it? Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. <laughs> I don't like it. He's insane. You're an insane person. I you didn't go like with more, 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 men. more men. I'm a Billy Idol That's guy. That's a little too subtle. I like to make these really on the nose and obvious. Yeah, as painfully obvious as possible. Yeah, no, I'm more of a, uh, it's something true connection and uh, Suzanne true connection. Isn't the one who sings that? More, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? I think it's I Suzanne know. true. I, I want to keep saying Suzanne true love, who but is one of our Patreon yes, people, but Suzanne true connection. Do you think they're related? Yeah. Ask her yeah. in the postcard. Uh, did you sing the song more, 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 <laughs> or did you sing the song Mormon, Mormon, Mormon? Cause it's really funny and on the nose. So this next one is something we've all seen and probably have no idea what it is. The Los Angeles, California temple. Okay. Where is it at? You know that. Don't pretend pretend like like you you don't know. know. Don't pretend like you weren't there this morning. (laughs) It is the giant temple uh, near Century City, just off the 405 on Santa Monica Boulevard. Oh, with the big that giant golden statue. On I top. always think it's police headquarters because I think in the movie <laughs> The Phantom that building. Uh, don't is say his name. Don't say his name. As a, a police headquarters or something. But every time I see him, I'm like, wow, they really. I'm scared to go there and get arrested, but it's just a church. Uh, you you should be scared to go there. <laughs> it's like right on Overland too. You can't miss it. Like it's such a yeah. giant imposing structure and I've always been curious about it. Mm-hmm. And I once heard that Alfred Hitchcock got married there, Whoa. which doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. He's not married. <laughs> who would, because who would marry him? Yeah. <laughs> so this here is a story about a group we've never really talked about in the past, but has had a pretty big impact on our neighbor to the East when it was still just us, but to the East. <laughs> By that, I mean San Bernardino. Oh, San Bernardino. We're going a little, uh, 
we're going a little country in this one. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to bring our ATVs and our uh, four-wheel drive trucks. Yeah. I hope you got a gift card to Bass Pro's shop <laughs> because we're going to San Bernardino. So the followers of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. Mormons, mm-hmm. are, of course, famous for that salty lake up in Utah. But yes. around the mid-1800s, they were at odds with the U.S. government because their leader, Brigham Young, refused to obey the laws of the federal government. Sure. Do you know much about the history of Mormonism? Just from a South Park episode. <laughs> did you see the Book of Mormon? Because that's what I did for research. <laughs> I wish I could have seen the Book of Me Mormon. Too. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, cr- I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like It's different for sure. But I'm not talking about like the beliefs or anything, but just like their history oh, the history with the U.S. government is kind of a uh, insane. Yeah. Like, in 1846, the U.S. was smack dab in the middle of a war with Mexico. Right. And they were desperate for help. The West wasn't heavily populated by quote unquote Americans. By that, I mean white people. But you couldn't get any more populated or any more white than Salt Lake City. Sure. A mere hop, skip and an 800 mile jump to Alta, California. <laughs> so the U.S. Army asked the Mormon Church if they would put together a battalion of 500 men to help in the war effort in California. Brigham Young agreed, I assume, to try to get back in the government's good books, as well as their own good books. <laughs> and the Mormon battalion marched south to San Diego and then a little back up north to guard the Cajon Pass in today's San Bernardino, then part of Mexico, soon to be part of Los Angeles. Sure. This was called the Mormon battalion, and they were a special force that kind of maybe not helped win the U.S. Mexico or the U.S. Yeah, U.S. Mexican yeah, War. Yeah. So now these Mormons are guarding the Cajon Pass. They like this area so much that even once the war was over, many of them stayed, and a large swath of the Rancho San Bernardino was bought by Brigham Young to found a new Mormon colony, and it worked. They built a thriving city that was as big as L.A. was at the time. Mm-hmm. They even built the Mill Road, which was how a lot of the lumber that was used to build L.A. into what it is today got to L.A. from the mountains wow. of San Bernardino. Compared to the wild murder fest that was L.A. at the time, San Bernardino was a lawful, prosperous town, except for one giant unlawful thing. They had a ton of slaves. They They brought all these slaves with them from Utah. Okay, maybe two giant unlawful things. They were also terrible to the Native Americans living there, maybe kind of enslaved them too. Wow. So the, and I was about to ask who the slaves were. N- now that makes more sense. No, the, no, the slaves were black African slaves or African, and maybe at this point, African American. This was the oh, 1840s, remember? 1840s. That, that, that was still, that was people still, still like that. That's right. I forgot. So they had black slaves and they also kind of enslaved Native Americans, or at the very least, abuse them. Yes. (laughs) So this is what was going on in the Mormon paradise of San Bernardino. The Mormons were big proponents of owning slaves at the time, one of whom was Biddy Mason, who went on to sue for her freedom and became one of the most influential people Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. So she was brought here as a slave by Mormons One of from the Salt Lake Mothers U- of Los Angeles. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, so, in 1853 was when San Bernardino seceded from LA and became its own county, but the age of the Mormons there did not last much longer. The tension between Brigham Young and the United States government did not subside despite the Mormon battalion helping out to, let's just say, Take California from Mexico. (laughs) And the general public didn't really look kindly on Mormons either. Like around the country, not just the government, but just people didn't like Mormons. They were abused in public and sometimes murdered by citizens. And sometimes the government themselves was abusing them. Because of this, in September of 1857, a group of radicalized Mormons, which I know sounds like a weird thing to say, but hey... Any religion can have radicalized uh, lunatics. History has shown us (laughs) you can be extreme and the most 
odd places, <laughs> the most odd topics. That's my favorite Bing Crosby song, <laughs> Extreme in the Most Odd Places. <laughs> this group of radicalized Mormons, they came upon a wagon train of men, women, and children heading west, mm-hmm. murdered all Whoa, 140 of these people. God. Their reasoning was that this was retribution for the way Mormons were being treated in America, and then they blamed it on the local Native American tribe. Cool move. Yeah. So Awful people. <laughs> when the truth came out after this, that it was a group of renegade Mormons. Yeah. President Buchanan declared the state of Utah to be an open rebellion and, wow. was re- and was preparing to use military force to depose Brigham Young. Also a weird thing to say, but it happened. Jeez. So there, before the Civil War of North versus South, there was a mini Civil War brewing of U.S. versus Utah. Like this almost happened. So to shield his followers from the growing anti-Mormon sentiment and also to shore up his own defenses, Brigham Young recalled the people of the San Bernardino colony back to Salt Lake City. Two-thirds of them left and San Bernardino lost its Mormon identity, but that one-third still remained and many of them made their way into the city that was still on a path forward. Take that, San Bernardino. (laughs) Los Angeles. So this is how Mormons first came to Los Angeles. There's even old Mormon history here in LA if you know where to look for it. Right on the nose, there's Mormon Island in San Pedro, which used to be an actual island, but got filled in to be a peninsula in 1913 that's still called Mormon Island. This might have been named that because the Mormon battalion used to use San Pedro to load and unload things on ships, and that might be where the name came from. The Mormon headquarters in California was also moved to LA in 1906 from San Francisco after the earthquake, and by 1923, there were some 4,000 Mormons living in Los Angeles. As the population grew, they realized that they needed a temple to service the followers in town, and this being Los Angeles, the land of big choices, they decided to go big with it. Yeah. But first, they needed land. And who do you go to when you need land in Los Angeles? William Wolfskill. Harold Lloyd. <laughs> the clock hanger himself. Why Harold Lloyd? Uh, Buster Keaton was busy that day? Yeah. they The loan rates of Buster Keaton land. <laughs> Don't get me started. The clock hanger himself owned 2 million square feet of land along what is now Santa Monica Boulevard that he lived on and also planned to turn into a movie studio that he had bought in the 20s. So he owned basically like Westwood, Culver City, Century. Like that was all Harold Lloyd's backyard, (laughs) which is also a Bing Crosby song. By 1937, unlike the clock, he let go of that dream and sold half of this land to the Mormon church to build their new temple. So they got a million square feet of land. This was going to be not just the first Mormon temple in California, but the first one on the entire West Coast. It was going to be big enough to serve all of California. This was going to be the center of Mormonism in California. And then World War II one hit, and Joseph Smith had to be melted down into bullets. (laughs) It wasn't until two decades later, on September 22nd, 1951, that construction started on this temple, and it wasn't completed until March 11th, 1956, at 10 Santa Monica Boulevard. The architect they went with was Edward O. Anderson, who was the official architect for all Mormon church projects. But when they started the planning on this, he was assigned to focus exclusively on just this temple Mm -hmm. because of its scale. And he set up his office in Harold Lloyd's old house. (laughs) Clocks everywhere. They had Harold Lloyd impersonators build the whole thing. It was a pretty wacky project. (laughs) Great to watch, but it took years. 
originally the whole thing was just going to be clocks. It was going to be like a Big Ben. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> multiple Big Bens glued to each other, but they they couldn't stop laughing from hanging off of them. And it was right. just not getting done. Good gag. About 80% of these construction workers were Mormon working on the 1 million square foot project. Like I said, the structure itself is 190,614 square feet and 257 feet tall and was built to withstand earthquakes. And it has. Like wow. this is a massive it structure. It has a 16-foot spiral staircase with 5.5 feet wide steps, 26-foot tall doors. There's murals everywhere. There's housing where visiting missionaries can stay. Mm-hmm. The surrounding grounds cover 13 acres and are filled with fountains, a reflecting pool, statues, and all sorts of exotic trees. And the entire area is built higher than the surroundings, which give it all a sense of seclusion. Yes. But the feature of it that we've all seen is the giant gold statue on top of it. Uh, any guesses who this might be? Um, Harold Lloyd. Harold Lloyd. <laughs> you guessed it. Yeah. In honor of their founder, <laughs> uh, founder of the Mormon church, Harold Lloyd. He's hanging off of what seems to be a clock hand. Um, the only thing we know about Harold Lloyd. Yep. This is obviously a statue of Moroni. This is the angel that Joseph Smith claimed to have been visited by repeatedly who led him to the sacred text of Mormonism. I'm guessing it's uh, he. If if angels have a gender, sure. Oh, if you've seen what I think, if, if, you, if you've seen what I've seen, <laughs> this Mormon has a distinct gender. He's blowing an eight foot long trumpet with his right arm and in his left, he's holding the sacred golden plates that the Book of Mormon was translated mm, from. Okay. The statue is 15 and a half feet tall and had to be made out of aluminum rather than bronze because the law in LA didn't allow things that heavy to be put on top of buildings. So now he's a lean 2,100 pounds. Oh, cut, cut and weight every day. Yeah. His resolution of the new year, he won't finish his golden plate every night. <laughs> Originally, the statue faced southeast, but at the request of then president of the church, David O. McKay, it was moved to face due east to keep a lookout for the second coming. Oh, and the second portion, am I right? <laughs> the whole thing cost $1.6 million to build, which is the most ever paid to build a temple and was paid for entirely by donations from local Mormons. The open house lasted two months and brought in 682,361 visitors to see what this was, this yeah. giant building. It was the 12th Mormon temple built overall. And when it opened, it was bigger than the church in Salt Lake City Damn. until they expanded it a few years later. But for a little yeah, bit, this was, this was the biggest Mormon church in the world. The grounds visitor center and genealogy library are open to the public and they have been lighting up for the Christmas, the Christmas every year since 1979 that you can drive in to see. So grab the very, very large family and head on down. I drove Get through- all your wives together. <laughs> Even the secret ones. (laughs) I drove through Uh after doing this research because I wanted to see. Um, It's very serene. We went at night so we could see the lights. It's very serene. Like you walk around. There was not many people. There were a few like missionary looking people. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's very it it's right in the middle of everything, but it feels so secluded right. because it's built so high up. And it's such an imposing like going up close to it, it feels almost like a mini city hall. Like it's that same it's got kind of an art deco-ish sort of style. Mm-hmm. It's very striking. It's very it odd yeah, to yeah. be near it. it. It is one of the standouts when you're cruising Santa Monica Boulevard. It's like when it when you drive past it, you're like, oh, this am I is it all about to become like a this like stone? Yeah, am chapels? I getting into the Mormon district? Yeah, the Mormon district. It's very, I mean, you, you've all, everybody's seen it. If you've driven on the 405, you've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting place that I, I want to go inside, but I know I can't. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, would yeah, love yeah. to see what it looks like inside there, but 
I'm not converting just to do that. Similarly, with uh, both the Scientology buildings, the Celebrity Center yes. and the main one, I'm like, I'm dying to see I what it looks like inside, but inside. I'm going to have to wait until like an Omega Man situation. Right. <laughs> It's going to take an apocalypse to get me to go to church. <laughs> but you can go to the visitor center. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we peeked in. It felt a little strange sure. because there was a lot of very white people sure. that made me a little <laughs> uncomfortable mm-hmm. because there, there as, is... As, uh, it's hard to not call myself white because, <laughs> come on. Uh, but for you to feel... You've hung, un- up with, hung out with me enough. Yeah, enough times that it's rubbed off, yeah. I grew up on uh, Andy Griffith, so yeah, of course, <laughs> what ended up was me being white. Um, but like, for you to feel uncomfortable while, while, around white people, first of all, uh, they must be really white. And second of all, that's the least you can do for us. How white are they? No. Um, they're so white that I feel uncomfortable around them. There's nothing, I have nothing against Mormon people at all. Sure. But they had a history for a while where they were posthumously baptizing Jewish people to become Mormon. Oh. Uh, they've stopped doing this, but yeah. that kind of felt very weird. Yeah. That's that's why but I they have this whole genealogy thing, which I would love to go to, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of still have that in my head of like, are they going to try to make me convert? Like, yeah. are they going to not like me because I'm Jewish? Like, yeah. I signed this a weird paper that I thought was just agreement about the genealogy, <laughs> yeah. genealogy lab. I swear not to take anything out of this genealogy lab. Also, you're Mormon. Also, you're Mormon and you can't be buried with your parents now. <laughs> but I would love to go in there because they have extensive, I don't know how, but they've done like extensive research on on uh, family trees of like yeah. just everybody in the country. And I'd love to see that. Yeah. Let's go together so that we, yeah. we will. They'll think that I'm like a prisoner and you're the cop arresting yeah. uh, officer. <laughs> uh, he committed a crime so bad. We got to find his fit genealogy <laughs> family and arrest them too. Yeah. We have to end the bloodline. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love to, uh, to check out the, it's a beautiful department. building. Yeah. It's, it's stunning. If we have any Mormon listeners, Take us there with you. Yeah. And say, don't worry, he's with us. And easy on the conversion, okay? I know you got to sell me a little bit, but give me a break. <laughs> so now I've talked about enough. I've proselytized enough. Are you going to proselytize? Yeah, Craig? I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm going to just kind of convert everybody to a religion that I don't actually uh, um, subscribe to. Uh, um, as opposed to me, who's half Jewish, half Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew there was part of you I couldn't quite place. <laughs> um, you're always talking about my family tree. Um, <laughs> why do you wear so much khakis? <laughs> oh, it makes sense now. You drive a car. Why do you have a, a bike helmet everywhere? <laughs> Carry it around with you. I'm going to be talking about Pentecostalism, which I did not know anything about. Is pe- is Pentecostalism the one where they speak in tongues? Yes. Okay. Uh, as I'll read you in a second. Um, right. The understanding of the core beliefs of Pentecostalism eluded me, but the easiest explanation came from the Encyclopedia of American Religions available through the LAPL research <laughs> databases, which I had, like, I finally threw a fit, like, okay, in plain speak, like, just tell me what this place, what this is. Is there really an Encyclopedia of Religions? Yeah, on, yeah through the database, which uh, saved my life because it, <sighs> it kind of just was... I wrote the guy's name down. Oh, uh, J. Gordon Melton is credited as putting it together. But it it was incredibly helpful. So it's like a Bible of Bibles. It's a Bible of Bibles. Everything is hyperlinked. So you're like, what the hell is that? Click here for salvation. (laughs) And even the most... Open a new tab salvation? (laughs) Even the easiest explanation was still like, well, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) From what I can gather, Pentecostalism is obviously a subsect of Christianity with a few differences in practices. The most important and distinct is glossolalia, 
or as it's more commonly known, speaking in tongues, okay. which is the most defining feature of right. Pentecost. Suddenly this story got interesting. <laughs> which for the curious is pulled from the Bible in the book of Acts chapter two. I didn't want to just quote that. So book if you're curious, Acts? the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, oh, not A-X-E. Okay. All right. <laughs> this book just got cool. Um, <laughs> the book of Acts body spray. Yeah, it's just guitar temps. Um <laughs> In fact, the Pentecostal experience <laughs> begins with the search for the gift of speaking in tongues. Or as uh, my girlfriend Ada put it, the idea of speaking in tongues is having your body taken over by the Holy Spirit like a good possession. <laughs> You've seen the exorcist. Imagine it's good. I, the good exorcist. Yeah. Uh, what I, I mean, sometimes after a long week, I just like to sit in the bath and get a good possession going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I really get in the zone. You know? <laughs> so it's not the devil speaking through you. It's God speaking through you? Yeah, it's you? like the Holy Spirit, which is basically God. I always thought Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I thought Father was God, Son was Jesus, Holy Spirit was just like all the same. But saints, they're all the same thing, right? Basically. Okay. Yeah. And I, What do I know more about this than you? Uh, we were agree that we both are like, I guess. <laughs> That's where you don't know more, but you're guessing as good as I do. Let's agree that on a scale of blasphemous to pious, this episode ranks more on the blasphemous scale. It leans. Yeah, for it's, sure. Yeah. I'm, it's not like outright, like we hate these. We're sort of like, I don't know. Right. I'm blasphemish. Yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> to Pentecostal. So, the spirit spoke through me. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit of Gallagher. To Pentecostals, this is a sign of being possessed by the Holy Spirit. When you are speaking in tongues, you are not saying any words recognizable to anyone in any mortal language, but this is the language of the Spirit or God. This is regarded as heavenly speech or the verbal manifestation of a religious experience. Okay, it's like parcel tongue. Like part, I guess so, yeah. Like your family speaks with the... But yeah, well, you know, my house does. Um, <laughs> my clan. My clan. Uh, <laughs> speaking in tongues is controversial to different religious communities. Some members of the Christian community look down upon those who can speak in tongues and find... And they look down on anybody who finds any spiritual value in that sort of thing. I would imagine. Cause yeah. Because this seems, because there's, I, from what I understand, again, I, I'm leaning blasphemous on this yeah. one. I, from what I understand, any sort of communion with God that isn't done by like the Pope. Yeah, is it doesn't not, filter through. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't filter through a middleman who, it for sure isn't lying. Yeah, this, this He's is. for sure not making it up. There's too much uh, fluoride in this yeah. communion with God. You just got to go through the Pope to get this out. I kind of don't know what the purpose of the Pope is because I always thought it was to uphold the word of the book, right? And then like every decade, he'll like try to modernize it and be like, oh, well, gay people are okay now. And, I, and I'm like, well, I love that. And I, lo- I love that the church is okay, trying. Okay, this Greg hates that the Pope accepts gay people. Interesting. But, I, I, but I'm like, oh, so did God say it was okay? Or are you just sort of like winging it? First off, you're asking the absolute worst person, the one who thought the question, is the Pope Catholic, was an actual question. But I, I don't know. Is he supposed to be talking to God? Or is he just like... A representative. And he's kind of like the like head of the biker gang. And he's like, well, look, we don't do this anymore. Yeah. We don't, uh, based on... Uh, we're, not, uh, we're not doing security for the Rolling Stones anymore. <laughs> not until they are okay with us stabbing people. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I don't really understand. I guess he's in... Maybe he's in charge of keeping religion up with modern times. Sure. But like, I'm sure that wasn't... I mean, boy, He could back, do a better job. <laughs> He could do a way better job than the one he's doing now. What? He said it's okay that they're gay. He just waited till 2023 to do it. He won't marry them, but he won't damn them. But yeah, I I, I don't really know. I mean, it was sort of rhetorical. Blasphemish. Blas- blasphemish. 
So after speaking in tongues, after you've experienced speaking in tongues, a sign that you are dwelling in the Holy Spirit, you can then expect different gifts to manifest, which include mm. healing, mm. prophecy, wisdom, which they call knowledge unattainable by natural means, and discernment of spirits, which is seeing non-physical beings such as angels and demons. So this is like the like the hot summer night under a tent and like kind of grab yeah, the, grab the family. We're going to the revival tent. When I was reading it, that's what came to mind right. was the uh, heal, heal, heal yeah. thing. And it's like, it's a circus in other right. seasons. It's a religious circus. It's a really, yeah. <laughs> in, other <laughs> in other seasons, it's a circus, but... Around Easter, it becomes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to they gotta kick some... You got to butts and seats. <laughs> so this is a passage just straight from the Encyclopedia of American Religions, which I was, was going to try to dumb down, but like every word was important. So through the first half of the 20th century, Pentecostals were frequently and pejoratively called holy rollers, quote unquote. A reference to oh, their free, loud, participatory style of worship and their constant attention to the gifts of the Spirit, especially tongues. In contrast to the more orderly services in the Methodist, Baptist, and Presbyterian churches, Pentecostals seem to have a very free, spontaneous service that includes hymns that emphasize rhythm, extraneous prayers, and frequent interruption of the service with amens and tongues. So it's very lively. It's more fun, it's certainly, more fun. than other. It's more of a show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if the Pope did this... You, you can put that guy on New Year's Eve ball. You can put that guy on... Uh, the, the Pope and Ryan Seacrest hoping the, the <laughs> ball drop, hosting the ball drop. We try to uh, separate church and TV, um, <laughs> church and broadcast, but... <laughs> Did you see how the the Pope was making out with Ariana Grande on the New Year's Eve ball drop? He learned a, a thing or two from the Dalai Lama. Um <laughs> Those who visit Pentecostal services for the first time are startled by the seeming lack of order. The freedom and spontaneity are limited. However, even the most free congregation falls into the narrow pattern repeated week after week with little variation. Okay. So basically, like, it's a church service. It's fun. It's free. But, like, they still have their job to do. Even if this one lasts. Like, I was reading, like, some services were just an all night thing, all day thing, but like, and it's lively and it's a community. So like, you're kind of hanging out with your pals or whatever. Sounds exhausting. Sounds exhausting. Yeah. I, but like, I, I get, are you going to heal me of my exhaustion at the end? I mean, I know that this guy's in line in a wheelchair, but I'm yeah. really tired. I feel like if I cut, no one's going to notice. And what's he going to do? Um, <laughs> we're all going to salvation. <laughs> what's, the, what's the matter if I get there a little quicker? I'll just repent. <laughs> Yeah, heal me of my sin. Okay, let's add sins to this (laughs) list of what I need to be healed from. So yeah, a lot of more stiff subsects of Christianity were not cool with the most of that extreme worship. But it seems from my reading about the modern Pentecostal movement's beginnings, the biggest issue to be had with other subsects of Christianity towards Pentecostalism is racial integration. Okay. But we'll get more to that. All right. Okay. The beginning of modern name Pentecostal movement can be traced to Los Angeles to a little house on Bonnie Bray Street. Oh. And is thanks to one man, a 34-year-old preacher whose parents had been slaves, William J. Seymour of Louisiana, the other LA. <laughs> he got lost. Yeah. He got- <laughs> one ticket to LA. Yeah. <laughs> what You hell? got it. <laughs> What's this big Mormon church? <laughs> Born in 1870, William had an incredibly humble upbringing, being one of eight children in a household not equipped to handle that many mouths to feed. (laughs) William's childhood was spent working in the cane fields with his parents and siblings. When he was still young, he contracted... What year was this? 1870s. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wait, so he was born in the 1870s? Yes. Okay. So, wow, he's fresh fresh Fresh, out of slavery. Fresh out of slavery, yeah. Former slaves. Wow. When he was still young, he contracted small... Don't tell the Mormons. (laughs) In San Bernardino in the 1840s. In so, yeah, 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 let me clarify. It, <laughs> uh, it was illegal now to have slaves. Uh, you can have indentured slaves, and yeah. you can also put people in situations yeah. where they <laughs> could, could only be slaves. Uh, as long as they got. R.E. Native Americans outside of the 
mission system. As long as you paid them 10 cents a day, then they're technically not slaves and it was okay in the South. And feeding them was part of their benefits. (laughs) Right. We're paying you to buy food, but we also own the only grocery store in town. (laughs) He contracted smallpox, which almost killed him when he was a child, and it made him blind in one eye. So this preacher is blind in one eye as well pretty cool though never healed it um the experience rattled Did he wear him. an eye patch no but he should have yeah, a preacher with an eye, one patch, eye that guy's seen cool. some things yeah. and he's well, fought, he's seen half half the things half the seen. things he fought the devil for that yeah the devil walked away with his eye but he's still like <laughs> yeah. he knows he got in a fight the devil wears his eye around <laughs> his neck <laughs> the experience rattled him uh, uh, seymour uh, not the devil uh and it's said that he began to struggle with his methodist upbringings after this after going blind in one eye But he hadn't renounced faith altogether, but instead found his spiritual side being pulled towards something else, something he wasn't really sure about. He worked odd jobs all through his 20s, traveling through the Midwest, but ended up first in a church in Indiana where he finally found himself wanting to give his entire being to the church. So then he left the Midwest for the South and went to Houston, Texas to attend Bible school. It's there he met Pentecostal preacher and teacher Charles Parham. And William Seymour devoted himself to receiving the Pentecost, which is speaking in tongues. Is what oh, called. okay. Yeah. that's in- So Pentecostalism existed before this. It existed before this. This is sort of the, the modern day is is it's kind of in of the works guy. right now. Okay. Like Barham himself led a group in Topeka, Kansas in 1901, stoking the fires of Pentecostalism, hoping it would grow, but it didn't. Pentecost. That's pretty cool. It is pretty. Yeah. The Pentecost. Baptizing the Holy Spirit. This is pretty cool. Pretty cool phrases. <laughs> I here. mean, I, I, we joke that you were trying to convert people. I'm in. <laughs> Whatever this is, yes. Sign me up. Yeah, sign is me there up. some sort of wild pope that I can <laughs> listen to from this religion? Like a cool pope that we can all like, get behind? Yeah, um, he's got an accent mark on the E, the Pope. Yeah, the Pope. His, uh, the, pope mo- the bulletproof pope mobile is like a lowrider. Uh, <laughs> or like a... He wears his, his pope hat backwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it had been going for a he while. Doesn't, he doesn't live in the Vatican. He lives in the Vatican. Thank you. All right, go on. Uh, thank you very much. I, that came over me, the Pentecostal <laughs> thing. I had to say that. <laughs> the Holy Spirit just fills me with zingers. <laughs> Again, the Holy Spirit is Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> so like you asked Pentecostalism, there was like a revival in Wales, a, a Welsh revival that happened around the same time. It was kind of moving around America at the, around the same time, but it kind of lands officially in Los Angeles where it bursts so and it becomes weird. official. Who would have thought? Who would not not I in the beginning of the century? Not even like once we get established, right? Not even before we get weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Before we we're actively trying to be weird. 1901. <laughs> Charles Parham, who tried to make it happen in Topeka, Kansas, didn't really get it going, but he inspired his students enough that his sparks would land in the West Coast thanks to one of his students, which is William Seymour. So sometime later, a woman named Neely Terry of Los Angeles came to Houston to visit family, and while there attended a meeting held by William where he was preaching Pentecostalism, stating his baptism and the Holy Spirit was accompanied with speaking tongues, even though he himself had not experienced it yet. Okay. So he's talking about how great it is, Pentecostalism, but he himself has not spoken in tongues. Is he kind of, is he lying and being like, yeah, I've done it, or... He, no, no, he's he's saying it. He's saying like... I've never done it. Yeah, but okay. I, I believe in this thing. <laughs> Must have been frustrating. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's Any day now it's going to happen to me. Yeah. And I know it's cool, and it's going to happen to you guys. But if it happens to you guys first before me, I'm going to be a little hurt. <laughs> Nevertheless, Terry was impressed by his sermon. And once she got back to Los Angeles, she sent word to Seymour inviting her to her city at Los Angeles to speak at the local church. He accepted and arrived in Fair LA in February of 1906. Within a few days of his arrival, he was preaching at the church that Neely Terry attended regularly on 9th and Santa Fe, which was led by a woman named Julia Hutchins. 
What this part of town? This is where? This where? 9th and Santa Fe. I want to say it's like the outskirts of downtown or downtown, like industrial parts of downtown. I, I, I would assume that this was South Central-ish because it's... Mm, it's wh- more like fashion district, flower okay. district. Because this was like a, a in the black community, right? It's hard to tell in 1906. Because this guy's black. He well, is black. I mean, we've mentioned that. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> was he one of those white slaves? <laughs> <laughs> he was a black gentleman. I don't know what... Ninth and Santa Fe looked like in 1906 because right. I could only see like still flower district. district. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just see <laughs> the, the flower alleys. district, but it was just wildflowers. Yeah, exactly. There were no buildings. It was just flowers. <laughs> At his first meeting, he preached that speaking tongues was the first biblical evidence of the inevitable baptism of the Holy Spirit, which from what I can get simply means renewed in spirit. I wrote this a bunch of times because I was keep trying to make it make sense to myself. <laughs> so real non-believer here. When Seymour I've converted. I'm full on. I mean, I am in this. When Seymour returned the following Sunday to hold his next sermon, he found the doors of the church padlocked. Has the church closed permanently? Nope. But Seymour sure wasn't invited back. Hmm. It seems like the elders of the church did not like that William Seymour himself had not experienced the blessing of the Holy Spirit, despite <laughs> preaching all about it. But not everyone rejected Seymour's teachings. A small group who, who either had attended his alley sermon or had heard about him was forming. Soon, William Seymour was invited to the home of a congregation member named Edward Lee, and where Seymour, that's where Seymour held Bible studies and prayer meetings for a few weeks. But shouldn't that be the person maybe who is the one who should be leading it? Like the one who has faith in it, even though he has not experienced it? I believe that person a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's so faithful and he's like us. Like it hasn't hit him yet, but he's so strong. Like it could hit all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Two of the members. I'm I'm a loser just like you who hasn't done it. I believe him. Yay. (laughs) This is like a real bad news bear situation. <laughs> Two of the followers, Ruth and Richard Asbury, suggested moving these meetings to their home at 216, also at 214, Bonnie Bray Street, which is near Alvarado and Beverly, uh, not too far from downtown. Okay, so we're still around the flower district, which mm, was just a patch of grass. We're kind of near what is now what, like Filipino, t- historic Filipino town and like the Pico Union area. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's completely different. <laughs> a little west, a little west of downtown. A different flower district because most of the city was a, the flower district. We were district mostly just, well, yeah, flowers. And a little tickle of a river. Um, <laughs> There's also the alfalfa district. <laughs> it's not what you think. Um, little, little little rascals, yeah, the little <laughs> rascals here. That's the, the little, uh, our gang roams those streets. 216 Bonnie Bray Street in February of 1906 is seen today as the place where modern day Pentecostalism was born or reborn, I guess. <laughs> but why is it called the Azu? Oh, I forgot. Risen. The- it was it risen. Is risen. Yeah. This whole movement is referred to as the Azusa Street Revival. Right. Why is it not the Bonnie Bray uh, Street yeah. Revival? Shut up. We'll get there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the small group of Pentecostals led by William Seymour would get together and pray on a regular basis, gathering and praying for baptism in the Holy Spirit. On April 9th, something happened. After five weeks of Seymour preaching and three days into a 10-day fast, Edward Lee began to speak in tongues. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Good for him. At the next meeting, Seymour shared Lee's experience and preached a sermon on Book of Acts 2-4. At that meeting, six other congregation members spoke in tongues, which included Seymour's future wife, Jenny Moore. On April 12th, William Seymour himself finally began to speak in tongues for the first time. It hit the preacher himself. Congratulations, guys. You made Way it. go. I read the words three days into a 10-day fast. I'm like, yeah, I probably would have. Uh, <laughs> I probably would have gone a little. I've done that after having a late dinner. <laughs> I've said non. I've said gibberish <laughs> words, too. Uh, it sounds a little bit like I need to get a burrito now, yeah. but it's not really It's English. a little bit like. 
exorcist uh, crazy backwards talk, but yeah. I'm mostly just hungry. I vomit up the pea soup, but then eat it again because it looks so good. <laughs> looks even better the second time. <laughs> Coming and going. Yeah. So after news of the experiences moved around, more and more people started flocking to the house on Bonnie Bray Street. Do you think he actually did it? Or was he like, oh, I got it. Uh, my numbers are flagging. Yeah, I better show it's up. sweeps week in heaven. Edward Leake can show me up. I, I can't have that. I have no idea. Um, I, haven't they said that like part of this, part of it is kind of like epilepsy? Like people I who think I've speak heard in tongues both. might be having an epileptic <laughs> seizure. Have they looked into that yet? <laughs> um, I remember hearing that from somewhere, but I don't know if it was a credible source or just like a jerk on the corner. Right. Yeah. You never know. You never know if it's a credible source or a jerk on the corner. Yeah. I get all of my news from jerkonacorner.com. Eating the apple, tossing in the air. Yeah. Don't go to jerkingonacorner.com. Yeah. It's a little bit different. So news started to spread that this little place, all these people were having, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're all speaking in tongues. This little house in Los Angeles. Word starts to spread. So the first one happens on April 9th. Something that helped the church bring in new attendees was a major occurrence nine days after the first speaking in tongues. It happened on April 18th, 1906. What happened? I'm trying to think of what happened April 18th, 1906. The San Francisco earthquake happened. Oh, right. I was, yeah, I had just talked about that. You did, yeah. <laughs> the group printed and distributed more than 125,000 religious pamphlets. That religious, was the earth speaking in tongues. The tectonic plates were speaking in tongues. <laughs> the tongue tonic plates. Yeah. They handed out over 100,000 religious pamphlets relating the earthquake to what was happening on Bonnie Bray Street and the <laughs> end times, quote unquote. Uh, uh, uh. So people who were frightened by what the power of the earthquake had done and the need for some answer came to check out what was happening in Los Angeles. So <laughs> more and more people were flocking here to see what this was all about. Wow. That Those worked. who were moved by the, sometimes putting out a pamphlet works. <laughs> I can see why they do it now, uh, but I bet they're waiting for a next big earthquake to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, we know. Let's stomp harder in the next <laughs> next meeting. Those who were moved by what they found received their baptism and went home to spread the words, thus putting Pentecostal centers in places like Illinois, New York, North Carolina, Sweden, England, India, Chile. It was, oh. yeah. So people would come to Los Angeles and take the word back out and it was spreading. Word of mouth. Because to me, Pentecostalism feels like a very Southern, you know, like deep South yes. United States thing. I would have thought middle of America. Yeah. Like, you I, know, the middle of America, the deep South. The deep South, yeah. <laughs> I would, well, we're both thinking of revival tents we've seen from movies. Yeah, we are. So, we're both thinking of, oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah, actually, we are. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of sad that uh, most things I'm getting, I'm like, what was the thing in Nightmare Alley? Oh, that was a circus. Maybe it's crap. like a different Coen Brothers movie then. Is it like Raising Arizona? Is it like a serious man? <laughs> No, that's the other one. Um, and the thing about Pentecostalism and Los Angeles was it wasn't just this whole movement wasn't just appealing to white churchgoers. It was appealing to black, Latino and white churchgoers okay. of different like strata strata of different strata were like, what is this lively thing where people are speaking right. in tongue like it? It's it's got so much more life to it than the Neil stand up no stand party, exactly no yeah no, no. exactly that's, that's my impression of Latin. I mean, you're not far off. If we had opened a book nearby, we would be in trouble. We would have probably <laughs> yeah. woke a demon up. Uh, hang on, something's coming out of the bathtub right now. <laughs> I, it might, might not be related. Yeah, all the candles just turn on in my apartment. <laughs> Let me make some pamphlets and <laughs> get to the bottom of this. So this is important to know if you paid attention in the year, which is 1906, for a church to be integrated, racially mixed, 40 years before the civil rights movement had Pretty already crazy. been like the i've always thought like civil rights was trying to put that into practice this idea that we can all exist right. in a space without a problem people from like we were talking about widely different parts of the city from different economic levels and different religious backgrounds are all giving this a try and they were willing to be around other races to do it before like in <laughs> they must have been desperate <laughs> that must have been a really big earthquake yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, you, you believe so hard in racism, and then the, the 1906 earthquake happens. Right. Like, you know what? Maybe we'll <laughs> save this for 1907. When we're all lying dead down at the bottom of this ravine, yeah, then we're all the same. Julia Hutchins, who allowed Seymour to speak at a church, spoke in tongues at a meeting, and soon found her whole congregation attending meetings in a, at the little house on Bonnie Bray Street. <laughs> it's important to note that the Pentecostal outpouring in Los Angeles did not occur in a vacuum, like we were talking about earlier. They were like different events. The spring of 1905, there's a gentleman named Frank Bartleman and Joseph Smalley, who had been giving like Pentecostal. Oh, that's the the Wales revival and everything. So like we were talking about uh, in Armenia, a number of Pentecosts hmm. who spoke in tongues had arrived to begin a new life in America, all quickly lent support to what was happening in Bonnie Bray. So like once it gets sparked going, like it almost attracts not only people who were curious about it, but like other Pentecosts because of the revivals that were happening all over the world were like, see, that's happening over there. And they gave right. their support. So like it, it like the, the structure and the reinforcement is building there. Does the language sound different in a different language, if that makes sense? Like, do the people who speak in tongues in America speak in tongues different in Armenia? I had that thought, too. (laughs) Or is this like a universal language? It's almost... It's the, I don't like to word, use this word because it refers to people who are mentally oh, ill. And boy, here we go. <laughs> babble. Just like, oh, okay. like, like it, 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 uh, I don't know. From everything I read, it's like, it's not a language you're supposed to recognize. It's supposed to be the language of the spirit of like a religious experience manifested. It's like Esperanto. What's Esperanto? It was this, they tried to make a universal language that anyone in the world could speak oh, so sure. everyone could mu- communicate. And it would turn out to just be Spanish. <laughs> How does Spanish? It was just English. How does Spanish get all over the world? Isn't that interesting? It must be like God's language, huh? How do they get Spanish in different parts? <laughs> I'd be curious to hear a recording of an American yeah. Pentecost and a Armenian Pentecost yeah. and see like, because it's okay. I, I don't mean to be rude to a religion, but I would say a lot of people who are doing it probably aren't speaking the word of God exactly. So I, I think a lot of people might be creating noises. Sure. But you're wondering if the Norses are similar to the languages they speak in right. different regions. So like someone who is who is maybe not feeling the spirit that day sure. and is trying to force it might make noises that sound more like English I here. wonder if you get outed in a big crowd. Right. Like, like, you said donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're trying to like scat. Yeah. And we all know that you're faking it. I wonder if you can tell when someone's faking it. I don't know. I, we hey, we got to go to one. <laughs> next revival tent. Don't that invite pops me. Up. Don't, don't, uh, don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, when Circus Vargas shuts down, we can go to the Pentecostal revival meeting that pops up after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not commenting on that. So soon the house. You're the one who said it was like a circus and then they move in after the circus comes. Or I earlier. said different seasons. <laughs> I guess. And it's not even a comment on the religion. It's mostly just tent, a tent comment. When Circus Vargas season is over, <laughs> we will go to the Pentecostal meeting. They're tent related. That's the connecting thread. Tents. <laughs> and it being hot. Soon the house was packed to the brim with people speaking in tongues, singing at full volume, shouting prayers at the Lord, upsetting all the neighbors. Mm-hmm. But once the porch at the house collapsed, the group of oh, Pentecostals no. knew they had outgrown the Asbury's house on Bonnie Bray Street. This is the worst thing since the San Francisco <laughs> earthquake. <laughs> yeah, that's a sign too. God, how rowdy it must be. Oh, I know. That it broke the porch. Have you ever it's been? kind of exciting. I wouldn't mind seeing one of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it it could be a cool hangout. <laughs> sounds like a good time. It sounds like a good time. So after the house started to kind of feel the wear and tear of having a hundred people in it all day <laughs> through the week, they sought a new place to gather and pray. They found that home in the form of a former stable at 312 Azusa Street, just mm. off of San Pedro in Little Tokyo, like a block from the mm. plaza. This became the Apostolic Faith Mission, the Pentecostals' new home. 
what plaza? The little Tokyo plaza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a block away. Interesting. We'll yeah. be talking about a place near there soon. Interesting. Did you do... We did the same research. We did anyway, yeah. And you let me go first. Um, <laughs> the revival meeting would start at 10 a.m. and last past midnight. For three years, Seymour and his wife... Maybe met- I don't want to go to this, actually. It sounds exhausting. Like you said earlier... It, it sounds like a Jerry Lewis telethon that makes you sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they want you to stand up and sing the whole time. Like, <laughs> um, what... For three years, Seymour and his white Methodist partner, Hiram Smith, led riveting, if not alarming, Pentecostal <laughs> revivals. There was a regular attendance count of 1,500 people. Some people refer to these at the as the best show in town. Everyone was unified in prayer, clapping together, playing music off of washboards and thimbles, which they called cow ribs. Thimbles? Yeah, thimbles. Like the thing from Monopoly? Yeah, like the thing from Monopoly. Did anyone play the racehorse? Because I'd like to claim it. <laughs> I want to be the hat. <laughs> Foom. Yeah. Foom. <laughs> they uh they tried having a fiddler player but he was excused because it was considered the devil's music which is not wrong yeah i mean he's famous for playing yeah. that instrument and wheeling and dealing um hundreds of people would be baptized by water at terminal island while others were baptized mm-hmm. in the holy spirit in the upper prayer room the walls were lined with canes and crutches from people who had been <laughs> healed by the lord Within the same time frame, missionaries from the Azusa Street Revival were sent throughout the United States with 13 missions departing for Africa. Mm. By 1906, missionaries from Azusa Street Mission were in Mexico, Canada, Western Europe, the Middle East, West Africa, Asia, and Northern Russia. But the racial harmony of Azusa Street didn't sit well with everyone, and desegregating Mm. the church would end Seymour's time at the head of his unified church. Mm. One of his white ministers, William Durham, split the movement along racial lines where he, when he left the church and found the Apostolic Faith Mission Church of God, which is like naming a file, final essay two. Um, Seymour's parentheses, parentheses two. Parentheses two, yeah. Pentecostalism copy. Main, main final, yeah. yeah. Main final copy uh, two. <laughs> Seymour's uh, admin assistants to white women who are working on a newsletter, The Apostolic Faith, which had 50,000 readers, they left for Oregon, taking the subscription mm. list with them. <laughs> Newspapers were reporting on the church were either condescending or outright racist, describing attendees as if they were animals. Mm-hmm. By 1907, uh, the Azusa Street Revival had spun off to form other congregations such as the 51st Street Apostolic Faith Mission, the Spanish AFM, the Italian Pentecostal Mission, all of which were made up from different ethnic groups. The Church of God in Christ was formed in 1907. The Assemblies of God and the United Pentecostal Church were formed in 1914. The Pentecostal Church of God was formed in 1919. Sorry. Seymour kept preaching until he died of a heart attack in 1922, and his wife Jenny kept the church going until 19... 19- was it on stage? Because that would have been... I mean, you want a, a good closer. Yeah, that, that'll... A Pentecostal revival tent. It, it should happen at night, though. Don't do that at, like, yeah. noon. Save stroke of midnight. Your heart Stroke. visibly explodes yeah. in your chest. <laughs> Cartoon style explodes. <laughs> and smoke comes out of your ears. And people were like, yeah, this yeah, is good. He did it. He did I it. knew he son had of a, it. Son of a gun, he did it. <laughs> son of a, our Lord. So his wife keeps the church going until 1930. But from what I can understand, there's so many splits in the church that it spread attendees too thin to keep the main church going. Right. Like when it was only the the one single main McDonald's, it must have been crowded all the time. But once they started <laughs> opening franchises, it must have killed the crowd a little bit. But it makes the wait time shorter. It makes the wait time shorter. So the Pentecostal church really didn't, I mean, the, the Azusa Street revival itself didn't last long, but it was incredibly important. The faith aspects can be argued, sure, but the social aspects of the story are incredible. Like, ra- like races, yeah. races broke apart this idea of a unified church, but it shows early on that people were okay with mingling with other races if a common belief held them. 
So as far as Pentecostalism now, it's said to be that there are more than 500 million Pentecostals believers in the world. And the Whoa. Pentecostals were at one point were second to the Roman Catholic oh my Church God. As, far as, as far as offshoots of Christianity. That is way more than I expected that pe- of people doing this every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and because it spread like, yeah, we don't see them. That's not like common as far as I know in Los Angeles. I I have never seen a sign that said, welcome to the Pentecostal yes. Church of Wilshire or something like that. Right. But like because they're everywhere all over the world, I'm sure there There's are like be. groups. Yeah, I had a friend growing or in high school who came from one of the I, I guess it was Pentecostal because he was saying like his his family went to a church where they spoke in tongues and he couldn't wait to stop going, so <laughs> could not wait until he did not have the. I guess he never got the gift. <laughs> but it's, does everyone speak it or is it just like everyone's hoping to speak it? And everyone's that's why hoping to speak coming. it, and when you speak it, I guess that's the, that's your baptism in this belief. But you may never speak it. That's why I'm I'm guessing a lot of people are faking it. Maybe they don't want to be like I'm 70 and I haven't spoken it. Yeah, yet. maybe I maybe I was wrong about this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if it's a requirement or if you're allowed to like it'll happen when it happens sort of thing. I'm not, I don't know. I, I don't didn't know. read I didn't read any testimonials. <laughs> but I'm uh, you couldn't. It was you couldn't understand it. Yeah, it wasn't an encyclopedia. It was typed up in uh in Pentecost. I grew up Catholic. Went to Catholic school as a kid to get first communion, which is wild. Um, but like <laughs> it didn't. I I remember not connecting because the language was not something you were meant to understand. It was in Latin when you did it? No, 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 no. Just like the way everything is phrased and put and fancy English. But also like... I forgot you don't speak English. I don't speak English, yeah. There's certain religious phrases that are like, they just tie back around and they almost make no sense because they're not connected to anything to me. And I thought that would eventually go away, but now I'm 30 years have passed and I'm still like, (laughs) I don't know what they mean by that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's the same guy or three different guys? Yeah. Is the Holy Spirit just all the saints? Or is it like the force where it's like the religious I, power? I mean, I've, I've, uh, I, every like two months, I get really curious about what that saying means. Yeah. And I ask Melissa about it and never, never come to a solid conclusion of how that works exactly. And I think it's meant to be purposely vague. Yeah. To keep you coming back. But they call it, they call it interpretive, but I bet it's like, yeah, it's a cliffhanger. Well, it's a cliffhanger. It's a religious cliffhanger. It's a religious find cliffhanger. It, come next Sunday and find out who the Holy Spirit is. <laughs> is it you? The White Ranger. <laughs> okay. So now let's go, uh, let's finish out our pilgrimage with one last religious location. Okay. The Holy City of Los Angeles. Shirley, Grandin of Doom. These are all famous temples, but the famous one I'll be talking about now is the Koyasan Buddhist temple right here in little Tokyo. Tell me more about it. Right near the Azusa street that you were just talking about. Rival churches. Yeah. Who can scream the loudest? (laughs) Who can upset the most neighbors on a Sunday? So it all begins in a sleepy little Ryokan town (laughs) called Toyama, Japan. This is where Reverend... What is that? (laughs) What part of town is that? Is that near the flower district? Yeah, what what places to eat? It's the cherry blossom district. (laughs) This is where Reverend Shutai Aoyama was sent by a Buddhist archbishop on a mission to spread... Quintessential cat pose. Yeah, he just phantom stood in front of a full moon right now and stretched out. (laughs) On On a backyard fence. So this guy was sent by a Buddhist archbishop on a mission to spread their Shingon branch of Buddhism to the Japanese population living on the West Coast of the United States. Interestingly, this is this kind of feels like the Pentecostalism of Buddhism. Okay. So th- this branch of Buddhism believes that everlasting peace and harmony is achieved by the repeated chanting of mantras. Okay. So like the, they are the ones who are repeating the same phrase over and over to try to like... Hit a zone. Hit a, hit a, a spiritual yeah. zone where they exist beyond... They transcend. Basically. They... 
they ever is in. Okay. So in 1898, Aoyama came all the way to Los Angeles here where he ended up working god-awful actual hard work jobs like picking produce and shipbuilding and a stint with the Santa Fe Railroad Company. Wow. The shipbuilding sounds hard, but that song's really good. In these awful jobs, he saw that his Japanese co-workers were struggling within themselves to not only make a living in this new country, but also finding their place here. Okay. This is where Reverend Aoyama was able to offer what he did best, spiritual guidance. He started offering Buddhist services to anyone who was interested out of his room at the Miyako Hotel in Little Tokyo. And then in 1912, he found a more official setting in a house in Elysian Park and then an even more official setting in a storefront on Commercial Street. And the place started being called the Koyasan Daishi Mission. Okay. By 1914, he had 300 congregants. And by 1920, they had 1,500, making it the largest Buddhist congregation in L.A. And that meant they needed an official, official, official place as their own temple. This time, a place was built specifically to be a temple for them. Okay. The location they chose was at 133 North Central, which is today between where the Japanese American National Museum and Mocha 2 are. Oh, okay. Uh, Mocha Mocha 2, the streets. <laughs> and to commemorate its opening, they planted a Morton Bay fig tree in front of it that they named the Aoyama tree after the Reverend. Okay. The building note is no longer there, but this tree still is and is now over 60 feet tall and has been an LA historic cultural monument since 2008. So you can go wow. see this tree that they planted in honor of this temple. And go ahead, take a few inches of bark off of it. <laughs> just, just for yourself. They like it. Yeah, the tree likes it. It feels good to a tree. <laughs> In 1920, it's like a really good back scratch to a human. In 1921, Aoyama moved back to Japan, but he was replaced by Reverend Hokai Takada, who grew the temple into more of a community center and resource for new Japanese immigrants. One group started around this time was the Fujinkai, which was a woman's association that throughout the 20s and 30s would hold cooking classes and dances and fundraisers, as well as being the welcoming crew for the sailors visiting L.A. from the Japanese Imperial Navy for training and trade missions, which seems crazy that they were welcome in L.A. 10 years before they were not, not welcome, welcome in LA. Very much not welcome. In fact, we shot at a balloon for four hours because we thought they were here. They'd take them out to lunch and give them a tour around L.A. while they were docked in San Pedro. In 1931, the next guy took over named Reverend Taido Kitagawa, who started the all-Japanese Boy Scout Troop 379, which in 1935 were named the Outstanding Boy Scout Troop of the United States by FDR and were invited to the White House. Oh, my God. (laughs) One of these boys who eventually joined this group, George Takei. Wow, really? He was a member of this. Not in 1935, but... Sure, it was the same group. Same group. Same group, different decay. But eventually, this temple wasn't big enough anymore. So in 1937, they raised the money to buy a lot of land at three, for, no, a lot of land, but also a lot of land <laughs> at 342 East First Street, where they planned to build their permanent location. The place was designed by Miyake Hayano. And on November 17, 1939, they had the official groundbreaking, complete with blessings and sumo matches. Oh, yes. Which is how they broke the ground. <laughs> when did they have to fall down? What if, if you don't pin him, this project is never going to move <laughs> forward. The mayor's watching. The mayor's watching. Get bigger. <laughs> it opened October 26, 1940 as Koyasan by Ko 
Shinjuku Betsuen with a big parade from the old location to the new one led by the Boy Scout troop. Its main hall could fit 600 people and also had a large second story and basement that could be used as well. It cost $100,000 and to help pay for it and to continue funding it, they built shops along First Street that the temple owned to bring in money. This is the temple that's still there today. Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen it. You kind of have to go... It's down a little alleyway, and there's this really nice temple if you're on First Street. Okay. It's kind of hidden, but those stores around it, I guess, are still owned by them. They're like little gift shops. You may not have seen... I, I stumbled upon it years ago and was uh-huh. like, look at what I, look at what I colonized. Um, <laughs> look at what I founded. This must be the land of Daniela. <laughs> and look at all these Daniels walking around here. Yeah, you 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 may have just... It's so easy yeah, to I, just walk I don't know by. what I'm looking at when I go to any place, really. Is this a... <laughs> City hall or a church or somebody's house or an, I don't know, but office. I'm speaking in tongues. So things were going great for the temple and the Japanese residents of Little Tokyo in 1940. Okay. Then came December 7th, 1941. The current reverend of the temple, Takahashi, was giving a service on Terminal Island when the news came in. Japan had attacked Pearl Harbor. Oh, boy. No Japanese people were allowed to leave Terminal Island, but Reverend Takahashi, he managed to get out the next day because the the soldiers thought he was Mexican. (laughs) So he was able to leave. What a weird thing of like, you know, you hear people of like, yeah, I was in Berlin when the Iron Curtain came down um, to be on Terminal Island when Pearl Harbor happened. Wild. Two days later, the FBI took him, though, and he was sent to an internment camp for the rest of the war. Awful. Soon after, pretty much everyone else who went to that temple and the Japanese people in L.A. at large faced similar fates. The people who were evacuated from Terminal Island actually stayed in this temple until they were shipped off to the internment camps. For the duration of the war, with the congregation all removed from the city, the empty temple was used as storage for their belongings, which is incredibly eerie to think about. For years, it was just an empty, just dust gathering on people's suitcases. That's scary. In 1944, the War Relocation Authority offered to transfer all these items to a government warehouse for storage in anticipation of the war ending and the temple coming back to life for the returning residents, which they took them up on with massive uh, trepidation. (laughs) But after the war, these people had lost all their homes and their jobs. So the temple was pretty much just a hostel for people coming back to LA who no longer had a place to live. Because of that, the county taxed them $5,000 for now being a hostel, which they couldn't pay because they had been closed for three years. Mm -hmm. And this debt wasn't relieved until 1957. Oh, cool. That's not the same year. (laughs) That's actually a a farther year. Maybe if you flip the digits. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, the temple lived on. In 1949, they started the Sonan Kai, which is the Young Buddhist Association, and their congregation is still going strong today. They are the keepers of the Hiroshima Memorial Park Peace Flame. They have it there. And the first Sunday of every August, they hold a memorial for the victims of mm-hmm. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They are the North American headquarters of the Koyasan Shingon Mission. And yes, they still have the Boy Scout troop. So practice your knot tying, Greg. We're getting a free trip to the White House. That's <laughs> the last thing I do. We're, we're going to bring this back to its original glory. Us, the colonizers yeah. of this Boy Scout troop. Um, President Biden, this is a ship shank knot. Get him out of here. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we tied these nooses. We're <laughs> holding these nooses in front of the White House. Let us in. Let us in. There, It's really, uh, it's a flawless knot, sir. Gunshots ring out. That's incredible. And like little Tokyo and the Japanese community of the 40s, man, 
it, it, it's it's it, a history that always bumps again. And then Pearl Harbor happened. It's there's so many like we've talked about it in different ways, but there's so many. What happened in World War II affected so many people across yeah. the world, but in Los Angeles in so many different yeah. ways that like there's this one guy's personal story of being stuck the night in Terminal Island mm-hmm. after Pearl Harbor had just happened. What a what a what a weird Very experience. Strange, yeah. But yeah, that's just a few uh religious there's so many, so many things that we also could have covered yeah. in this episode, but that's just a few uh a smattering of uh different uh a testament, an old testament <laughs> to the diversity of Los Angeles. <laughs> That's Woody Allen reviewing reviewing this episode. Yeah, that's him with a gun to his head. Has to say something nice about uh, the West Coast. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's uh, just a few religious things. Now you can keep an eye out. Now you'll understand. Oh, this fishing wire isn't just a catch a filter fish. It's the Arab. Oh, that Mormon church isn't just what Greg thinks is LAPD headquarters. It's a Mormon church. Have you seen LAPD headquarters? It makes more sense that it's the church. It kind of does. Yeah. And the statue on top is Two Gun Davis. <laughs> <laughs> He's got one gun pointed east. One going, one going <laughs> west. Yeah, different ethnic groups. <laughs> you hit the nail right on the head. Where we're, we we always say that we're one of the most diverse cities, and we always seemingly mean it's like an ethnic or a, a right. Yeah, yeah we, we, when we say thing. that, what we mean is there's a lot of taco places. Yeah, but yeah This yeah. is the actual. <laughs> this is actually what we mean. Yeah, it's diverse <laughs> in every forum. Yeah, I had Thai food. Yeah, I had Thai, I had food, thai food this week. We're such a diverse city. <laughs> no, actually, there are temples. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it before. Of Someone who lives in Montebello has a, such a different experience of LA than you or I do, or yeah. even you and I have completely yeah. different experiences of LA, and we live in two different rooms of the same apartment. Um, but <laughs> with tape down the middle of it, you get the front door, I get the phone, and we have two different lives. And we have Moroni pointing at your part of the apartment, my part of the apartment. Yeah. But people who could live right next door to us, who may believe in Pentecostalism, have such a different, uh, a different time of of their religious experience in Los Angeles. Exactly. Do we yeah. not all go to the same temple? Do we not complain about traffic the same way? <laughs> Do we not all come together on Christmas Eve and say, "Wow, traffic is great"? <laughs> but yeah. So before we get into our listener question, mm-hmm. uh, we got a plug for you. Hey. Tell people about us. Yeah. This is our plug this month. We're hearing about a lot of new people who are listening to us. I, I keep hearing this recently. Yeah. Like, I can't believe I just found out about you. Us either. Us either. Yeah. Tell the LA lover in your life about LA Meekly. Yeah. If someone likes Los Angeles, hey, give LA Meekly a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be watching some other videos online about Los Angeles. Maybe try this instead. Yeah, maybe it's maybe. not for everybody, but it sure is better for oh, yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, tell tell people about us. Word on the street. It helps grow us yeah. so that we can keep doing this for another mm, four months. When's the second coming? Four months. <laughs> So no. either the second coming or the next massive earthquake. Yeah. That's when we know we can, we can ascend to the promised land. Now we have a listener question to end this show. Yes. This one is from Danielle Schmidt. Hi, Danielle. Hey, Danielle. What led you both to choose your respective majors in college? Hmm. And I like the personal questions because we don't have to do research on it, except yeah. the soul. Oh, no. I, I mean, we both, because you were an English major. I was an English major. I was a screenwriting major. I think we both were looking for a way to be, have an excuse to write. Yeah. Or I mean, be I, around words. <laughs> I love to be around words. I've been writing since the second grade. 
wrote Star Wars fan fiction all through <laughs> middle school, won an award in high school for a short story. Oh, wow. Show off. So I was like, well, all I want to do now, so the only thing I'm way here, but way is W E I G H. Um, Ernest Hemingway. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all I ever wanted to do was write and learn how to read other writers well. Because that okay. seemed to be a thing that writers could do was read someone else's work and be like, I know themes. And I was in high school. I'm like, I have no idea what On the Road is about. I just <laughs> know that it's cool. Um, so, yeah, so I, I wanted to do that. You do know how to read. There's no denying that. I, unfortunately. I wish I didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't have to research in the podcast, but I know how to read. Yeah, so I just wanted to write. Yeah, I, I wanted to write to... I think both you and I were obviously... What we were looking for is a way to do comedy, I th- yeah, what, to a certain degree, yeah. without maybe fully realizing that. Yeah, because yeah, I I just wanted to write funny things. Yes, and I felt like screenwriting, I guess, was the way to do that. And I'm glad I did it because we met each other. Mm-hmm. But had I the choice to do it again, I think I would have done something more practical if I stayed in film. Like sure. I would have, like if te- you got into production, yeah, teach me officially how to do sound mixing or yeah. editing or so like don't teach me something that yeah. nobody cares that i have a degree in yeah t- i no more abstractions and theories please right. teach me like what what chords to use for this thing yes yeah i kind of wish if that i plug this into this will i get electrocuted i like that i know how to write it's one of the things that i'm prouder of i like that i know how to read really well now but uh if a lot I of good at done us <laughs> wait a minute did I learn to speak? <laughs> when did that happen? But if I had the choice again, I probably would have joined the Navy right after high school <laughs> and then gone to a trade school to learn a craft. Yeah, I could see you doing that. Yeah, that sounds like a much better Greg than the one we got. You're not uh, Navy Greg. You're village people pretending to be in the... You're village people in the Navy Greg. I'm like Donald Duck Navy Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your pants? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, who cares? But yeah, that, I think that's why we picked... I wanted to do something related to movies, and I yeah. feel like that was the only thing I felt I could do. You still could do that. Writing? Anything related to movies, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Someone sure. will hire me. Sure. I've been replaced by AI by my family. They're not gonna. <laughs> they're not gonna hire me to work on a in a movie. We just can control what he says, and we like that about him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't yell at us. This yeah, way. we don't need to eat, feed him every thirty minutes. <laughs> and the bathroom's never been more thankful. <laughs> so welcome to twenty twenty four. You're all religious this year. You didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. You thought something else was going to happen. Yeah. You you thought you were losing your religion. Guess what? It was a different REM song that we were doing. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, some religion. Uh, have a good January. Um, uh, uh, see you in we'll February. see you in February for the love month is love coming. Month. And that's been yet another episode of LA Meekly. Casually blasphemizing since 2013. BC. BC. Yeah. We were there. Time. We were we're uh, eternal Stadler and Waldorf of religion. <laughs> the Rolling Stones made a whole song about us. Yeah. Sympathy for the religion hecklers. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make the charts. No. Would it might surprise you. <laughs> it didn't make the charts, but it is in the eighth circle of hell. <laughs> it plays nonstop. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>